So, George, we've known each other 40 years. Uh, you and I know that. A lot of people don't know it, but we've yep. known each other 40 years. And I'd say for about 20 of those years, you and I have bonded on Family Guy. Either 100%. Being, you know, talking about a line we heard, or did you see the one when Stewie did, or did you see the one when Herbert did? And yep. the, the best thing about it, we loved the entire show, but we always gravitated to Herbert, the Bruce... Uh, Consuela, those yep. are, those are some and, of our yep. favorites, and uh, and Cleveland. Cleveland, Cleveland, yep, and uh, greased up deaf guy. Come on, you can't forget that. up deaf guy. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. of course. Apparently, right. Scott has a favorite. Right. <laughs> <laughs> okay. You never catch me. But yeah, <laughs> yeah. So yeah, we we and it was that it was it was Family Guy, Curb Your Enthusiasm, Sopranos. Those were the shows we always talked about, but yep. mainly Family Guy, and still do today, and still yeah. do today. So go ahead and tell people who you got today. Um, we are incredibly. Humbled, grateful, and excited to have voice actor extraordinaire Mike Henry with us today. Um, in our opinion, he's one of the funniest guys on television. And yeah. yes, he does. Uh, he's he's well known for the Family Guy voices of Herbert Consuela, <laughs> Scott's favorite greased up deaf guy, <laughs> and one of my personal favorites, Cleveland. Um, Mike Henry, welcome to the show. Thanks, Mike. Thank you so much for your time. This is this is awesome. Hey. No, no worries. I'm taking a break from doing nothing. Um, <laughs> Aren't we no, all? I, I appreciate the kind words. It's been um, it's been a fun ride for 23 almost years. Is now it really 23? Guy. Wow, crazy, incredible. Yeah, incredible. And uh, yeah, you've got a couple of fanboys here, but don't worry, we're not like the cosplayer type of fanboys. No, so, not at so all. we're going to be. No. It's going to be a good interview. We're yeah. excited about it. <laughs> all right. Um, yeah, so Mike, so both your parents were artists. So why don't we start with where you started? You went to college, your parents were artists, and how did that influence you and what you decided to study or or did it influence you? Yeah, I um, you know, as we're talking about journeys here, I will give you a little bit of the shape of mine. My parents were both artists, as you said. My father was a sculpture professor at Virginia Commonwealth University. My parents were divorced and my dad had a ponytail down to his ass yeah, nice. in the 70s uh, and was an <laughs> yeah. art professor. So he lived a good time. Uh, my mother, on the other hand, was a portrait painter and Catholic. And uh, I just all, all I recollect was uh, a lot of love and a lot of dysfunction. So I wanted to be a businessman. I wanted to push my creative mm. stuff to the side. And so I did. And I went to Washington and Lee University. Uh, in Lexington, Virginia, and studied history and um, really just kind of uh, sought normalcy. And so I would walk around campus in my shirt and tie, and I was class prez, and I was rush chairman of the SA fraternity and really had a blast today. Um, you know, I liked to have, I liked to have a good time and I just decided I was going to build a great resume and not really do any work. So, um, so that's what I did. That's incredible. I love it. And, and, you know, it's interesting you say, you know, you, you, you kind of left the creative to make a business and you could argue that your creative is your business now, it which totally is, is yeah. incredible. Yeah. Well, absolutely. And, you know, it's funny since, you know, I, since I left Washington and Lee, I have sort of been on a creative mission. I worked at an advertising agency for a short time and then I moved okay. to California to, to be funny. Mm -hmm. And, um, that journey took me, you know, into meeting all kinds of people and doing all kinds of studying improv at the Groundlings Theater, doing stand up later in New York, studying with Upright Citizens Brigade. And oh, wow. 
um, writing and, and performing in a lot of short films. I would collaborate with my brother, Patrick, who was oh, yeah. at the Rhode Island School of Design. And along the way, um, Patrick's one of his best friends in college was Seth MacFarlane. And Seth and I would wow. crack each other up and I helped him with the presentation for Family Guy and he would help me pitching jokes for the short films I was making. And, um, you know, eight years Eight short years after I embarked on my creative journey in 1990, Family Guy started in 1998, where I was hired as a writer to write gags, TV gags, cutaway oh gags, and create characters and do the voices for them. So, I mean, go the ahead, thing Todd. that's amazing to me is that he he went into advertising. Well, what was it about advertising that you didn't like that you wanted to step away? Like, I, I know you wanted to be funny, uh, but was that the driving force to make you yeah, step like, away from advertising? Like, what was that aha moment? Yeah. Like, okay. Yeah, when I, um, I, I liked advertising from the outside mm -hmm. because I thought I could combine the business sense that I had learned in, you know, dealing with people and, and sort of professional relationships, um, and also creativity. And, you know, I was like, ah, oh, it's a perfect blend. I can make funny commercials and blah, blah, blah. And, you know, I quickly realized that it's, you know, for me, it was a slog. It was studying marketing reports and all this other, you know, crap that I just did not care about. Yeah. So I had two aha moments. The first was seeing David Lynch's wild at heart, okay. which yeah. is to this day, one of my favorite movies. And, you know, at the time I was really suppressing my creativity because I wanted to find a way to be normal and, and have a, you know, a steady, stable career. But I saw Wild at Heart and it was so outlandish and so crazy and so provocative and sexy and funny and, and absolutely the, David Lynch's vision. And I thought to myself, if this guy can do something this unique, this this crazy and be heralded as a, a a hero then i want to go find my way yeah so um that that was one big thing and i would say that same week the company i worked for represented um or worked for us west which is the phone company out west okay or was and some people were doing these mock-ups of some of the ads and on one side of a magazine page it would be a handsaw and it would say, this is your business communication system without our product. And on the other side of the page, it would be a chainsaw with our product. Yeah. And then it was like a rowboat and a motorboat. And so I went and got one of the artists to draw up on the side without your business communication system. It was like a cupped hand. And then on the side with your business communication, it was a spread eagle naked lady. And so my boss was going through the comps before the pitch and he got to that one and he just looked at me and said, are you sure you're in the right business? And I said, no. And so, <laughs> wow. I just quit and drove my Jetta across the country nice. and started my comedy career. So, so Mike, did you grow up a, a, a comedy fan? Like I, I do stand up comedy and I've told people a million times, but I grew up with, you know, watching the tonight show I'd watch. Uh, all the HBO specials, the Young Comedian specials, the Mike Douglas show, Merv Griffin, everything yeah. to absorb comedy because I wanted to be that guy in control of people. I thought it was amazing that they could stand up on stage and make people laugh. And all I could really do was armpit farts in a classroom to make people laugh. So was was comedy in your uh, was it in your radar at that time um, or was it something as you got to college, you picked up on comedy? 
Right. Well, first of all, don't sell your armpit farts short because that's funny. I know. Yeah. And I'm good at it. People can dress up things with intellect and stories and observations, but it really just boils down to farts and armpit farts. Absolutely. And all things and ass. Yep. Um, you know, all those funny things. But, oh, no, absolutely. I grew up loving comedy. Yeah. Steve Martin, wild and crazy guy was, yep. you know, um, was it for me. I just thought he was so freaking funny. And Chevy Chase was hilarious. And, um, yep. you know, of course, the uh, the Zucker Brother films. And, you know, I, I would always imitate my friends, imitate teachers. And, you know, I would always hold court. And, you know, a big... A big moment for me was my senior year of high school. Every year there was a, a talent show and I, I emceed it my senior year. And it, it was beautiful because I SATs the next morning. So typically I would have had a couple beers, you know, back in the day when sure. the drinking age was 18. Um, and, uh, but I was stone cold sober and I was, I, I did very well. I was funny and people were laughing at the right things. And I, you know, that was a big, a big thing for me. And I, I remember that night, I, you know, it's year, however many years later now, and I still remember it as sort of my first taste of officially making people laugh when I wasn't sort of snickering in the back of a classroom. Right. Were you one of those guys that like myself, I was even talking with Scott before we got on air. I talked about how, I mean, I, I would listen to wild and crazy guy and memorize the entire album. I'd memorize delirious or raw by Eddie Murphy. <laughs> oh, yeah. I knew these things by heart. And in fact, I'm actually, I have it right here. I'm in the midst of reading born standing up by Steve Martin, which is an amazing book. book. I can't recommend it high, more for people, but uh, were, were, was that you also you'd memorize, were you a prank phone call guy like me? Like, I is, love is this that. You men at people come to me. <laughs> See? Hey, no. hey. How can you be such a swinging sex? And, and that's what, yeah. 1978, he still remembers the bit. It's that's, great. Yeah. That's how yeah. ingrained it is. You know, I'm Joey Oxberger. My friends call me Ox. I may have noticed that. Like, yeah. Yeah, yeah, My friends call me Ox. I said I swallow a lot of yeah. Long a lot of pizza. Got a lot of weight. Got a little bit of a weight problem. You know, yeah, one of my no. favorites, Scott, do you have a, a, that Steve Martin bit of mine that I, I gave you? Could you play that? I, this is my favorite Steve Martin bit of all time. We'll just I believe in rainbows and puppy dogs and fairy tales. And I believe in the family. Mom, Dad, Grandma. And Uncle Todd waves his penis. <laughs> and I believe in eight of the Ten Commandments. <laughs> And I believe in going to church every Sunday unless there's a game on. And I believe sex is one of the most beautiful, wholesome, and natural things that money can buy. That's one, that's one of my favorite. I, mean, I love that. Yeah. I mean, that came off. Uh, that wasn't off Wild and Crazy Guy. That was off the Steve Martin Brothers album. But I, I love yeah. that bit. I mean, it, it's just genius to me. It is. Uh, yeah. That book, I've, it's I read that book a couple times, and I sure wish I'd had it back in 1990 right. when I embarked um, on my comedy career. I love, um, you know, his his breakdown of, and I, I signed up for Masterclass, and I, I watched his Masterclass about yeah. a year ago, and his whole attitude there was absolutely no punchlines in the act, but acting like everything he said was hilarious. Like right. I get the joke. Yeah. I don't know about you. And I, 
And that um, I still talk about that because I think we're in a similar time politically and socially right now yeah. as as back then, coming out of Vietnam and Nixon, the country was seriously divided. And, you know, he was just a breath of fresh air of nonsense. It was. <laughs> and, you know, that, that's what was so desperately needed. And I'm, you know, I would love to tap into that right about now. So I'm racking my brain trying to think of nothing. It, it, right. Exactly. I, I completely agree. I mean, literally comedy will, you want to talk about, you know, all the, all the, the everybody throws around the term, oh, we need to be united. You, yeah. know, you know, comedy will unite us. It will. It yeah, just, it's fun to make fun of each other and then you have fun. And then after you go out and grab a drink together or whatever, yeah. you know, catch a game, whatever it is. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I agree. Yeah. Um, so at, before we get into the, 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 the bigger break, when you started, you know, working as a writer on family guy, what, what were some of like, what was your first, what was your first comedy show? You know, in that up working up into those eight years, you met Seth and, and then you had that eight years, like what were some of your first shows like? Did you, was your first show like, I love hearing about everybody's first comedy show. Yeah. I, well, um, I didn't meet Seth until 1995. So oh, okay. I met him Got it. five years into the journey. So I was in LA, didn't know anyone. And I found a room for rent on a bulletin board at UCLA, rented a room from a, this, this nice lady and her boyfriend. And, um, and I started doing, I did a, the Judy Carter stand-up oh, comedy God. workshop. Now she wrote a book. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. <out> there <laughs> and um, I did, I did this workshop where you get up every week for five minutes in front of your class for six weeks. And then the sixth week is a, a show, which was at Igby's comedy club in, in West LA. Okay. And so that was my first official thing. And I, you know, I got, I got some decent laughs. I, I had um, a couple, you know, I started doing the open mic circuit and I had one nice killer show at the Melrose improv, which was a big shot in the arm between waiting tables and, you know, you know, whatever I had to do to pay the rent, yep. um, non-sexually, um, <laughs> uh, boy. And, um, yeah, so it's, it's those, that there's nothing like that immediate response of laughter. And, you know, it's great in conversation like we're having, but it's, it's even better when you're on a stage and it's almost like a clap. It's like a huge, you can hear the audience and it, it's, there's this sound that it, it's just like a, you know, however many people in the room, just one big clap. And, um, I, love it. I don't know. That's no, a cool. No, show. no, that I, mean, I totally agree. I mean, having stood on stage and, I, I've told people and it, it's so cliche, but it's like, you know, it's like a, a drug to get up there. And when you get that, you know, yep. reaction or an applause yep. break, oh my God. It's, yeah. And, died I, and, and, and I admire both of you guys because I think, you know, a, a lot of what you've done is inspirational to others, whether they're in comedy or another industry. It's like, you have to do what you have to do to get there. And you're not always going to be successful, but you, 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 you know, you literally, you hear it all the time. You do learn from those failures. You do your side jobs, you do your side hustle. So you could support your, your, your main hustle. Yeah. And eventually if, if you're really loving it and you're doing it for fun, which clearly both of you have done other opportunities open up. Yeah, they do. I talk, go ahead, Todd. You were going to say something. Wait, no, I was just going to. I was just wondering, like, what was the what was the drive for you to find the success? What was behind it? What what was really pushing you? Yeah, you know, I think, again, you know, having grown up in sort of a situation that I didn't want to live in as yeah. an adult, I was looking for, you know, sort of mainstream traditional stability, and that just wasn't doing it for me. So I just. 
I realized that I just needed to follow this, this thing. And I've given a Ted talk and I've done a lot of college speeches and stuff. And the theme of it is, um, follow your inner voice along a path to a place that doesn't exist until you get there. Love it. So I am all about following intuition, um, being true to yourself, your individuality. Um, I, I spoke to a class at USC um, in the fall over Zoom about, about just that. They do an exercise, or they did an exercise in this class. What's your dream job in 15 years and how are you gonna get there? I take the opposite approach. We're, you know, follow today, follow what feels right today and see where it takes you. Cause you don't know what the world is going to do. And I always tell people that your life is a dialogue with the world around you. You can say what you want to say and say what you're compelled to say, but you have to listen to what else is out there and you have to make adjustments. You can't just say, Hey, I want to be president yeah. and you're president. <laughs> you have to figure out you have to put it out there and you have to start working and navigating and negotiating and figuring it all out. And I did some Instagram live interviews this or about a year ago in April during the beginning of the lockdown. And um, I talked with a lot of successful actors and musicians and athletes about their path. And it's, there was a there, there was a, a common set of circumstances or, or aspects to it all. One is listening to yourself, trusting yourself. Two is taking the leap, doing that, you know, deciding to go for it. Three is working your tail off. And four is, is persevering as you're working your tail off. And then ultimately you get to that place where your hustle gig and your passion gig become the same thing, where you're not, where you're actually making money doing what it is that you love to do. And that is, that is sort of just the bliss. And then gratitude. What can I do to help other people? I'm so grateful to be where I am. And so I believe that if everyone just followed and was true to what, they, what it is that they really want to do and could be true to themselves and also respect what the other guy is trying to do and help him or her do that, you know, that, to me, that's utopia, but that just isn't the way it is. So I, I try to live by that. I try to do what I believe yeah. in. And I, I'm always trying to help, you know, whoever's reaching out, um, you know, if I can. I, that That's the premise of what actually Todd and I, when we started the show, we yep. did it for fun because we both wanted to be talk show hosts. But the other side for me being in well, Todd comedian, me being the talk show, I always wanted to be the Merv Griffin, you know, yeah, yeah. I wasn't that funny, but I just wanted to bring funny people on and, and, and dive right, into yeah. more stuff, you yeah. know? Um, and, uh, you know, the show, we, we did it for fun, but we also did it cause we wanted to have that purpose. And I think you just encapsulated that. I almost want to retire and give the show to Mike. No, I know he, 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 he really, he put it I'm all out. in a nutshell. It's about I'm perseverance, out. pushing it yep. and networking and working with people, which is so important. And I try to stress that to young local comics, how important it is to network, like right. you to get to know people. Like when I worked, when I started doing this and working with headliners, I try to get to know them. Some of them don't even want to talk to you, but the ones that did, it's so important because it leads to other things, opening for other people. It's just so important that, right. you know, those three things that he brought up. And Mike, I, I have to imagine that, you know, cause already you just, you just engender this like trust and authenticity and you're so genuine. I have to imagine you're mentoring quite a few people or you probably have a waiting list, right? To some point, um, there, actually, there are 
three phone calls that I need to make <laughs> that I have a little list on here that yeah. are mm-hmm. regarding trying to, you know, help some people. And, and a lot of helping people is just providing encouragement and, um, you know, giving them a reflection of themselves yeah. and giving, and showing them that they, I, I did a, I did a speech, uh, a talk at VCU, uh, Virginia Commonwealth about gosh, six years ago. And there was a a woman who was about to graduate and she said, Hey, I am, I do production design for photo shoots. And I, there's an opportunity for me here in Richmond when I graduate, but you know, some of my friends are in New York and they're doing the hustle up there. And, you know, up there, it's like a big worldwide international market here. They're doing great work and blah, blah, blah. Which one should I do? And I was like, you tell me, which one should you do? She goes, I should move to New York. I was like, move to New York. So people already know. And, you know, I, I truly believe everyone, you know, whether it's meditation or just when you sit in silence or when something externally that really motivates you, hits you, you know what it is that you want to do. And you don't need the Wizard of Oz to tell you, <laughs> you know, that you have a brain or a heart or courage. Yeah. Um, you know, you, I, I really, I really just try to get people to listen to themselves and believe in themselves. And, you know, all I can do is beyond that is give them connections, you know, Hey, talk to somebody at my agency, you know, they might be able to help you distribute your film. I have no idea how any of that works, but yeah. I can ask this person if they'll talk to you. It's, yep. it's that kind of thing. Yeah, no, it, it's true. And that's part of networking. It's like, you don't know it all, but you know how to get people in touch with the right people. And, and I, I love with just what you said. It's, it's the encouragement because it's almost like a dam. People have things dammed up and you just want to encourage them. It's like, okay, let's start breaking the dam a little bit and, and get mm-hmm. some stuff. Let's just get some stuff flowing, maybe one or two things at a time and, and, and get you on your path because <laughs> Todd and I both have gone through that as well. Listen to you. It's like, you know, I'm a total comic book nerd and I know I'm going to have like this most amazing comic shop one day, you yeah. know, it's like, yeah. I love building towards that. And uh, I don't, what were you going to say, Todd? I was going to say, Mike, I had read that you, you, before, you know, Family Guy, you went like a year on on auditions and stuff yeah. without hitting anything. And yeah. that must have, you know, I, I can't imagine how tough that was and how it wore on you mentally. Is it yeah. something that you look back fondly on? Because I know it sounds crazy, but is that something you look back fondly on as a learning experience or is it something you think, Oh, Jesus Christ, what was I thinking? Um, well, yeah, I mean, I wish I hadn't blown all those hobos. Um, I don't, I don't know. No. <laughs> yeah. You gotta do what you gotta do, Mike. Um, <laughs> um, no, I'm, I'm sorry. Flag the no. tape. No, no, I, I was getting too serious. No. Uh, no, I um, I do look back on that time, and I tell people all the time, it's darkest before the dawn. You know that that is a real truth. And actually, my wife Sarah and I are, you know, everything is relative, but we are still locked down, and we are still living in COVID world, yeah. and it is really frustrating. And you know, I was telling her last night, you know, it is going to be so great here pretty soon. Because this sucks so bad right now. Oh, he does. And, you know, that was 1997. On my social security statement, it still reads, in 1997, I made $4,000. And that was living in New York City. And, um, you know, I 
took out cash advances. My dad helped me a little bit wow. as much as he was able to. And, um, you know, that was just trusting. And that, that's another thing that anyone has to do is just trust. If you, if you really are passionate and you are going about things in an honest way and, and you are working your tail off, the, the world, all of life is one big organism. Okay. So I'm a, I'm a big kind of uh, big picture thinker sometimes. Yeah, new uh, earth, stay, stay in the moment. Everything is everything. We were, you know, it's, it's all this quantum, we're all in a quantum field almost. If you keep pushing in your direction, the world will make room for you. And Correct. I, I honestly believe that. And I've seen it a million times and I've, I've lived it. And, um, you know, that, that was a very difficult time. I had a falling out with some some comedy people that were sort of the center of, of my social world at that point, I didn't know what I was going to do. And I went to this one audition down in Soho and I was like, this is the one, this is the yeah. one. And it was making a pickle dance on a plate and doing a wacky voice. And it was everything that I hated anyway <laughs> about advertising. And here I was like, that was my last hope. And I just remember marching uptown in the driving rain, not even taking the subway and wow. just, yelling up at God, what do I need to do? And, you know, pretty soon thereafter, I booked a couple commercials. I got a meeting with Lauren Michaels. My brother and I made a bunch of short films for him and awesome. family guy happened all within like three months. So it was really, really, you know, I didn't know what to do. I considered getting a job at advertising. I, I didn't, you know, like I, but I knew that wasn't right. So yeah. I just, Took a bong hit every night. Good. Yeah, take a bong hit, and the world will make room for you too. Yeah, I love it. it. Yeah. Sometimes you got to just regroup. So no, I, 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 I it's true. I love that, and and so here we are with yeah. with Family Guy, which I mean, people can describe it however they want. To me, iconic voices. So you started as a writer, but what, like, did you immediately get tapped to do a couple voices as well? Like, how did that whole process go and start to, and start to grow? Yeah. Yeah, Seth actually hired me to create characters as well. So it was, um, Beautiful. you know, I had never written a sitcom script. I was I think the only one, or maybe there was one other guy on staff who had not gone a traditional comedy writing route, um, you know, onto that staff. And, um, you know, it's just, I was brought in to, to create characters. And I think that one of the first gags I wrote was the uh, good times gag of Florida. Yeah. Florida is my name, Florida. Florida's a state. Or, you know, however it went. Um, so I did that. And then the first regular character that I pitched was Cleveland. Mm -hmm. yeah. And um, so I, I pitched him in the writer's room as one of Peter's best friends. Yeah. And he worked well rhythmically because he was sort of, you know, more, more methodical in his thinking and more philosophical, uh, than Quagmire or Joe, yeah. um, like Peter. And so that was the great. And then the group. came along and I've, you know, I just, I was, I was always pitching voices to do. I also pitched Ollie Williams, the blackie weather forecast, <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> you know, had no intention of actually doing his voice because he's a pretty one dimensional character. Yeah. So, I think Bill Lamar does him. Um, but you know, I, but the beautiful thing about the timing of family guy is I had my 10,000 hours in, you know, if you've read the outliers, by Malcolm Gladwell, it talks yep. about doing something for 10,000 hours yep. and then you're an expert and you know, eight years. And I did the math, how many auditions, how many stand up sets, how much time I spent writing, editing, producing commercials, which I did a little bit 
um, along the way, you know, I was ready and I was very fortunate that I had put in all that, that time. And, and all along the way, people would be getting together to go out to bars and, you know, I had other, I had, you know, girlfriends that I, you know, everything took a backseat to my comedy drive. I just really wanted to do something great. And, you know, I just, I was completely driven and I was very fortunate to land, you know, and get my major league at bat when I was, was pretty well primed. No. And, and I think that's really inspirational to a lot of people because, you know, we've talked a lot about how so many people are on that path of, Oh, I've got to go to school after this. And then I've got to get this and get that. And it's like, to me, it's like, you know, there are plenty of people and I'm sure we all know them that have gone to like Ivy league schools, Mm -hmm. but haven't had that 10,000 hours. And then they get put in these jobs because they've been Ivy leaguers. And then they just, they either destroy a company, demolish people's self-esteem and it doesn't make them bad people. They just don't know any difference. So to me, it's like that 10,000 hours is so crucial to being success. And it doesn't mean that you have to do it in three years. Mm -hmm. You could, you you know, it's the hockey stick. You take it over a certain number of years and then you hit that pivot point and there you go. And you shoot up. So, um, Mike, let's, uh, let's get into these characters. Let's talk origin stories. They yeah. gotta have an origin story, yeah. uh, every one that you've done. So let's, uh, let's start with, uh, Cleveland. Yeah. Cleveland. Um, I was right before family guy started, I was playing basketball at a playground here in Richmond, Virginia. And, uh, this guy said he was from Maryland. Yeah, he was just real philosophical about everything and you know, was, was totally kicked back and great. You know, you could tell the guy had a great heart. And I just thought he, I, I loved not just his voice, which was unique, but, but his, his philosophy, he just had a wonderful energy, yeah. like everything's going to be fine, you know? And so I just took that and ran with it for, for 22 years and did the Cleveland show. And, um, last year it was, it was time for that journey to come to an end, which I'll, you know, talk more about at some point in my life, yeah, but, sure. um, and then there was um, Herbert, I think, was the next, or actually the greased up deaf guy came next. <laughs> Scott's favorite. <laughs> um, yeah, so we, it was late night, and in the first couple seasons of Family Guy, we worked, typically a, a TV show writer's room will start around 10.30, and that's what we did. And we worked from 10.30 until usually about 1 a.m., for the first couple of years. Yeah. And it was great for me because I was single. I was, you know, it, it was again, that, that break, that sweet spot. And I was, you know, I gave it my all. And so we were in a, a gag room and, you know, the writing staff, I think at the time was maybe 15 writers. I think it's over 20 now, but you have what's called a gag room where maybe four writers or five will go into somebody's office You'll take a writer's assistant who will type everything that you pitch out and, you know, okay, well, here's a, we need a gag for Peter Griffin's, you know, toy company family picnic. You know, what's a game that they could be playing other than a a sack race or (laughs) ring toss or whatever typical, you know, traditional things. And so it was late at night. We were all punch drunk and I just said, Hey, you know, what if it's uh, catch the greased up deaf guy <laughs> started running up and down the hall going, you knew we're going to catch me. <laughs> and you know, it was, everyone just laughed and we didn't know if it was funny because we were punch drunk at midnight or if, yeah. or if it was really funny. And so, you know, 
<laughs> I think it was just so freaking weird that it turned out to be pretty funny. Well, so. at the time, it kind of played into the whole, like, I, I know he's gone now, but Mr. Weed. Mr. Weed, the boss? Um, that was hilarious. Yeah, right. <laughs> Peter, I can't have you standing around here being eye candy all day. No. Like, nice. I mean, it, it was hilarious. Yeah. And then you add in the greased up deaf guy. Brilliant. I mean, come on. <laughs> That so, is yeah. gold. Uh, and then Herbert. And Herbert was based on an old man that I worked at a grocery store with in high school. It was just a sweet old timey fella. And sort of a little bit of, um, was a guy named Frank Purdue? Purdue Chicken? Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. Make a tender chicken. I don't, I don't know that he really spoke like Herbert, but he sort of had that folksy yeah. <laughs> attitude. And so I just, you know, come on now. I, just, <laughs> I don't know. I just channeled that guy and 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 typically when i would imitate the old man that i worked with it was like a just a pervert joke like you'd be taking somebody's groceries you know like a tennis mom's groceries out and i'd be like uh hey can i squeeze your melons <laughs> you know just whatever and then so i pitch one pedophile joke in the family guy writer's room was like a spark in a dry forest and there you go yeah yeah i, I mean i may have texted you that night todd way Which, back when i know i texted a few about the first it was the Paperboy episode. Oh, yeah. yeah. You're looking for yeah. the pay. I'm looking for the Paperboy. I'm like, they're not doing this. Yeah. And they I just, did it. I remember I texted about two or three people. I'm like, this is, this is oh, they the did best. It. Yeah. And I'm like, I, I, cause immediately I'm like, oh boy. Yeah. Well, look, he's never going to catch. No. Of he's course. the roadrunner. You know, he's right. the roadrunner. He's never going to yeah. catch him. And if he did, that's the last thing anybody would ever want to see. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. So Mike, the, the the all the all the short cutaway gags, which are you know, they're five seconds of just, and they're always dead on and and amazing. They're brilliant, <laughs> so um, good. How how instrumental are you in those? And like like you know, what I'm talking the chicken fights, the Bowie and the Jagger dancing in the street. I mean, that, those are those aren't five seconds. Conway Twitty, <laughs> what the Twitty. hell? I mean, they're they're the best. Like, are you are you are you instrumental in a lot of those? Um, well, what I was doing early on when I first met Seth, I was doing commercial parodies. Again, I didn't, it's sort of a disdain for advertising and the, yeah. the sort of obvious thing that they're trying to sell you something through these little short videos that they show between quarters of a game. So I was pretty proficient at those. And at the time I really wanted to be on SNL. So I was writing and shooting, you know, I did a parody called Dristex BM, which was like a, <laughs> Off of an old Dristan commercial where a guy can't smell an orange and he uses the shit and then he can smell the orange. And <sighs> I did it with dog shit instead. And um, so I was doing those types of things. And, and Seth at the same time was doing things like the Philadelphia gag in his student film where Peter Griffin's at the movie Philadelphia, Philadelphia yep. and, you know, anticipating hilarious Tom Hanks saying the funniest line. He says, I have AIDS and Peter laughs his ass off. <laughs> um, so you're laughing at the fool, obviously not the AIDS. And um, so I think Seth and I sort of hit a, we were in sync on that. And I, I don't, you would have to ask him how much my work inspired the cutaways, but I, you know, it was certainly in my wheelhouse and I, you know, that, that's, that was sort of my specialty for the first couple seasons. And I didn't, didn't actually write an episode, I think until episode, until season two or maybe even three. Mm -hmm. So I was, I was joke guy and character voice guy. Yeah. I, and you know, I'm sure you and Seth realized this, but, and, and I certainly did. And I think Todd did. That's why we appreciate it so much. It's like, even some of the cutaways there, you know, there's always going to be those people out there that oh, I'm so, I can't believe that this is offensive. This it's like, no, you're not getting it. Like, 
they're bringing it to the forefront. They're giving the issue attention. Yeah. And they're showing the ridiculousness of people actually not understanding it and making fun of it in real life. And I think the people that get offended are the ones that actually commit the offense. And again, <laughs> yeah. this is, this is, I, I get, I have no scientific research on it. I'm just giving you my three, you know, my, my 30,000 foot view of it. <laughs> so it's like, whether yeah. it's topics of AIDS or cancer or, you know, like when you guys did the, the, the cancer thing, it's like when he's in the mirror and he's puts the, 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 uh, oh, the yeah. kerchief on his head, <laughs> yeah. honey, honey, come here, come here. It's like, there's so many people like, no, you're bringing attention to it. And yes, there is humor in that, not in the cancer, but the act, but it brings attention to the, to the topic. Sure. It's comedy. I, I don't know. I, I'm like, maybe I'm reading that wrong. I just, I see what you guys do and that's why I find it so brilliant and, and, and actually educational to a certain I'm extent right now. <laughs> I think, uh, no, I, Ricky Gervais said it great recently or sometime in recent years, just because you're offended doesn't mean you're right. Right. Oh, so I love that. that's um, great. That number one. And my philosophy is, look, you're born. Yep. Every baby, you know, you look at this baby and you're like, God, I hope this baby's life lives the best life of any human ever, you know, and goes, you know, somehow define, defies everything and, and has a perfect life. And then that baby starts getting shit on and um you know shitting on itself and then you know the world just beats the shit out of you you're born the world beats the shit out of you and then you die yeah okay so let's just laugh along the way let's laugh at our differences yeah you know like i love racial it. jokes gay jokes things like that yeah i have friends of every color and orientation and when i'm with those people we make those jokes and you know, back and forth at our differences, but we know we're bound by, you know, love and, a, you know, and the human condition. And, you know, people that get too upset are upset about other stuff, you know, it's not like they're upset about the joke. They're just looking for a way to, to vent and to, to do something about the injustice. And the world is of course full of injustice. And if you have a, a problem with your place in society or what's happening to you or what you've done, go complain to a kid with cancer. Yeah. So other than that, just go fuck yourself. Yeah. Yeah. Right. So, right in the ass. 100%. Yeah. So Mike, the, the show was started in 98, 99 ish, and then it's canceled and you guys, how long was the hiatus till it was picked up again? Yeah, we, um, we got kind of bounced around on this, the, on Fox's schedule, the people who had, brought us into the network left. And so we were just sort of hanging there. And, and, and then the professionals come in. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. They know. Yeah. yeah. And then, you know, <laughs> diff different things happened and, and whatever we got canceled. And so in the meantime, I'm like, I don't want to go write for a sitcom. I don't want to do whatever. And so that's when my brother and I did kicked in the nuts, which is, the best. um, I know, mean, I <laughs> love par those. parody of hidden camera shows. Yeah. And I just, I wanted to do what I thought was funny and that's what I've always wanted to do. And I've trusted that that would lead me to, you know, some, some financial security. And so, um, it was, I think it was almost two years before the show officially was picked back up. And because of DVD sales and late night ratings yep. on cable cartoon network. And, yeah. Yeah. And so then we came back with a vengeance to a 35 episode order, which is unheard of, unheard of. And, um, yeah. And so, so we came back, but it was a, it was a gut check and you know, the show was before it's time. Honestly, I remember the first season or two, yeah. they would send the production assistants to the library to get reference material. 
It was oh, really, it was before the internet. Yeah. You know? Right. I mean, it was no right Google. before the internet. Yeah. So, so, so uh, what, what point did you realize that like the, the family guy, how big the family guy machine was at what point was that? Yeah. What was your iPhone moment? You know, yeah. and app, all of a sudden the iPhone comes out, it's like, eh, and then all of a sudden it's like, Boom. Oh my God, this yeah. is huge. Absolutely. Like, what was that moment? Well, the first uh, three seasons we were in a little office building in the San Fernando Valley, making each other laugh mm-hmm. and, the show was going on and we had no interaction with, with fans in any way. So we were canceled. And right before we came back, we did the Montreal comedy festival. We did a live table read of the Herbert to love and die and Dixie. <laughs> which premiere of it. Um, and we did, we were in this, I don't know the name of the theater, but it was a few thousand people sold out, you know, four shows. And you would have thought we were the Beatles. It was yeah. Like literally out of nowhere, we were like, all right, well, hopefully people are going to, we show up and people are like, just going crazy. And that was the the iPhone moment. It was so, so gratifying and, and such a moment of hope. Yeah, that's that that I mean, I can't even imagine what that feeling. I mean, these guys even they went on inside the actor studio as a cast with James Lipton, which I mean, was that intimidating or was that a, a, a. a cool experience because I always feel uh, like everybody's intimidated on that show or um, it was very cool. And, um, I literally didn't sleep the night before cause I was flying up from Virginia the night before on the last plane out, which got canceled. Uh, so all night I was afraid I was going to oversleep. So I didn't sleep and I took the early flight up and went straight to this studio. James Lipton was the nicest, most genuine guy. He was a minch as they would say. Yeah. It's cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I like that. And um, was a super guy. We were out on that stage for four hours. And um, it was funny because he loosened us up at the beginning. I think it was Seth Green. He, you know, he, James Lipton just lashed out with a, well, fuck you. You know, like he said, completely out of character for him, but just basically said, okay, guys, do what you're going to do. And so we got filthy. And, um, you know, they asked me, you know, what, what profession would I never want to be? And I said, a glory hole attendant, um, and, you know, like it was, uh, you know, people were, we got filthy and of course he got himself out saying, you know, the, you know, the, the, the linchpin coming out of the, the dam. Yeah. Um, but, but it was such great fun and such an honor to be able, you know, to, to do that. Oh, it was seriously. Cool. Yeah. That's so cool. It, it is. And, and, you know, other, and, and I know this has been talked about before, but I'd be remiss if I didn't bring it up just on the, I mean, the show has been, been for all the accolades, it's also been seen as very prescient. You know, you guys called a lot of things out that are now oh, yeah. that it's, have it's, happened. It's I mean, it, it, Bruce even, Jenner. even for Bruce, uh, please, Bruce <laughs> Jenner. Um, yeah. and you know, I'm, I, I'm a comic book nerd. So the whole Iceman thing, that was great. Mm-hmm. And then Marvel outed Iceman. I mean, right. that, that cutaway was oh, amazing. Really? That, I, I didn't oh, know there, that. There's an amazing yeah. cutaway about, yeah, Iceman and the triple right. X. They, I mean, we, we can get into that. Right. It's hilarious. Right. But there's been so many great calls, you know? Well, it's it's all, you know, if, if you know, truth in comedy is not a an original comment from me, and it's the name of Del Close's book about yeah. improv, but it's, you know, everything that's funny is rooted in some kind of truth. And so... Um, you know, maybe maybe we're just calling calling out some stuff before people were ready to say it themselves. Exactly, which is which is amazing. So, you know, 
my gosh, the show it, and it just keeps going and and it it's 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 quality for me it's every, every quality. season, including the current season. So how do you keep yourself going? Because you know how it goes. You do these shows for like you know people usually like eight or nine seasons. It's like okay, syndication, we're done, and right. you guys are still going. And how do you keep yourself going? Keep it fresh because you do, and I really admire that. And I'd love to know if there's any tricks to that. Um, uh, you know the the thing is. It's fun, you know, yeah. and I think if it weren't fun, then people wouldn't be as into it. But, you know, I'm not writing for the show anymore. I haven't written for Family Guy since before the Cleveland show. Happened. Okay. Once, once Cleveland ran its four seasons, then I just am strictly voice cast on Family okay. Guy. I'll, still, I'll st still sit in some writer's rooms and pitch some characters out. Um, but, you know, it's fun and the world yeah. keeps evolving and there's more fodder for... <laughs> for jokes and stories and people are into it. And, you know, as long as people keep watching and, you know, I, I don't know why it would end. Right. This, for years, you guys had Adam West on the show as a voice ah, actor. Oh, um, I don't know how often you got to work with him. I'm sure you met him. What was it like? I mean, we all three of us, we grew up with that Batman TV series. What was Absolutely. it like working with Adam West? It must have been mind blowing. I mean, it, Seriously, it yeah, must have been so I, cool. Yeah. Um, and Seth Seth and Adam had worked together on Johnny Bravo, I think. Okay. Um, yep. Before Family Guy, Seth was a storyboard artist on that show. And so he had a relationship with Adam. And then, you know, he uh, it was just so great. And he he's one of these guys that is an icon. And but But he walks into a room and he makes you feel like you're the important one. And that is, you know, he's just so graceful in that way. Yeah. And, um, you know, just a huge heart and a, you know, a hilarious guy. I actually got to give him a behind the scenes tour, which they did a video of, um, I think around 2005. And, um, you know, he was just, uh, that's the most, you know, meaningful thing I can say about him is that he made you feel like the star yeah. when you were with him. And that's, you know, that, that's magic. And, um, at my very first Comic-Con, I went out on the floor and one of the first things I saw was Adam West and Lou Ferrigno standing there talking to each other. Oh, oh man. <laughs> I couldn't freaking believe it. I mean, that, that's iconic. I remember, oh, yeah. I, I mean, the well, Hulk, I mean, come on. This is a thing with Adam West. I, it, the voice is so recognizable and it's so deadpan and funny. But Mike, huh. I don't know if you're familiar with it. Like he did, a, Conan and Robert Smigel did a show called Look Well, and it was oh. he was a private investigator. And George, I think I, I told did, you about. I this. watched the initial. Mike, if yeah. you haven't seen it, it's on YouTube. Check it out. Just put in Look Well with Conan and uh, Bob Smigel. They produced it. It was all that. I think they only did the um, pilot. pilot. That was it. Yeah, Mike, okay. it, it's fall down funny because uh, you'll, you'll appreciate it because you worked with the guy, but check it mm -hmm. out. And even people listening, uh, Google look well and watch it. And if you, uh, if laughing's your thing, if it's not go to hell, don't watch it. All right. Yeah. All right. <laughs> oh, I'll definitely watch it. Hey everybody. Hope you're enjoying this episode. I just want to take a quick minute to talk to you about humans for education. You can find them at humansforeducation.org. They're an organization that wants to eliminate poverty in our lifetime. Huge goal, but completely doable, and you can help. Humans for Education likes to create 
sustainable businesses in Kenya where people are microfinanced by the organization, create businesses that help support families, and more importantly, education. Please go to humansforeducation.org. That's humans, F-O-R, education.org, and sign up to become a volunteer, make a donation, and or join the Go the Distance fundraiser that's running between February 1st and March 31st. Sign up with your friends, do a 7K, raise a ton of money, and you'll be helping people set up their own businesses and further education around the world. That's humansforeducation.org. Thank you very much. So here we are, current day, we're on the other side of other side of COVID. Like what, like Mike, what's, what's next? What are you thinking about? And I I know we like to stay present, but I'm sure there's things you'd like, you know, you've thought about things you'd like to do. We've had a lot of time to ourselves, a lot of time to think about things. I'd love to just, you know, share with people, you know, whatever you want to share, um, what you're thinking about. um, You know, I, I love being with my wife and kids and have certainly seen plenty of them over the last 10 months. Um, but (laughs) You know, like you, I I have talk show aspirations. I love talking with people and hearing their stories and, you know, just bonding over humanity and our individual journeys, et cetera. So, um, but I also love uh, making fart jokes yeah. and talking in funny voices and, um, you know, shooting abs- absurd little comedy videos. So I have this basement uh, thing set up in my basement where I am right now. And, um, it's just a little, a little studio. And, um, I am, I, I, I'm, I'm into sort of workshopping myself, you know, I'm down here, I've figured up, figured out enough technical stuff to where, you know, I have a little green screen. I can put stuff behind me. I can talk about jokes. I can, I can talk about the journey. I can interview people on zoom. I can show old kicked in the nuts episodes or clips from family guy or the Cleveland show and talk about them. And so I'm just playing around with all of this, um, my past and my present and where I'd like to go. And, okay. you know, I'm just, I'm just sort of workshopping it and I love that. You know, following my own thing. I'm just trying to figure out what I'm doing and we'll see where it goes. Well, well speaking of workshopping it and, uh, working on voices, you said, um, I'd love to have George do his Herbert the Pervert oh, geez, for you. Just say, let's, yeah, let's do it. Uh, yeah, let, go ahead, George. Give uh, him a little I mean, bit. This is like, come he'll on, call me is... and leave voicemails. And it, it, to me, it's dead on. Let's hear it from the I king. I don't know that it's dead on, but that's why. That's what I mean. It's never going to compare. That's why. I get, come on. Come on. Maybe All a right. chat with Cleveland and Herbert. Let's hear it. All right. A chat with Cleveland. Well, he's right. Cleveland. So yeah. Let's, All right. let's go. Say I don't Cleveland. know if I can do much Cleveland. I'm not All right. Oh, don't yeah, do that. Don't do that. Do how about Bruce? How about a little, yeah, little Bruce. Bruce? Well, Bruce, yeah, that would yeah. that plays well to me too. Yeah, being the George gay, is being a gay, the gay George guy is in the room, gay. Go and ahead. I love it. Yeah. So okay. I really <laughs> say, Bruce, that's mighty big mic you got there. Oh no, Jeffrey, they've given me compliments on my microphone. Hmm, there's two of them in the room. We got some players. Thoughts? <laughs> what do you think? It's not. I I I could do better, but. Do it. Come on. All right. So I used to, you know, ever ever since the Paperboy episode, I was living in London working for a a pretty big company, great company, though. And we had this uh, we had this stockroom area and the guys would talk about Family Guy in London all the time. Like, oh, mate, did you see this? So I don't know what made me do it, but I called the stockroom one day and I just was like, oh, yes, I was wondering, do you have some of those over the ear headphones in the back? You know, the one the little kids like to play with. Sure would be nice if somebody could bring some up to the floor. 
would my they couldn't get off the floor. And again, I don't it wasn't me. It was it was me channeling what you've done. And they oh. couldn't get off the floor and like, who the hell is and then all of a sudden I became this celebrity in London about doing that. And then of course and then I started, you know, making fun of the bosses a little bit. That got oh, a little hairy. Yeah. But you know, you know HR, they like to get involved with you everything. Like to push but, the envelope. Yeah, okay. I do. Yeah. But like that was the like I literally got into it. And then it would just be random times. Even when I moved back to the States, I would call there and as soon as they started doing Herbert, they would I mean it it, it just and it still lives on. You were so, a star. Well nice. thanks to Mike I was. Yeah, was right. like, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I got I got one more technical Family Guy question because it's always it's kind of weighed on me because it was such an amazing episode were the Star Wars episodes. How was it was it easy to work with Lucas films? Were they were they um, accepting of the idea or did you really have to push them on that? Uh, I think it was something like, "Hey, can we do this?" And they were like, "Sure." What? And this was pre-Disney, so, right? This was, was pre-Disney buying them, so that was probably well, it was Fox. And and actually, we're you know we're the same company now yeah. too. Back then, the, I mean, the beauty of, I mean, I watched The Last Mandalorian for the fourth time last night with my 13-year-old yeah, daughter. Yeah. Um, and uh, the, the beauty of of working with them was that we could use the music. And, you know, not only could we make fun of and, and animate the characters, but we got to use the real music. And, um, yeah, those those episodes are my favorite. The first one, I think, is my favorite. Yeah, oh, it, yeah, outstanding. I and mean, it had the real sound effects. Blue Harvest. It yeah, was, it was Blue Harvest, yeah. So good. It was amazing. Yeah. Um, going back to one quick thing, too, though, um, about where you are now, it sounds to me, and again, I'm not, I'm not, hopefully I'm not busting, you know, ruining a surprise. Oh, I love that. Bring the dog in. Hey, Here we go. Yeah, dog. Okay, we're going to have a dog action. No, well, that was a hearty bark, so I'm yeah. guessing lab, retriever. Yeah, come here, Wayne. Come Wayne, here. great uh, name. Wayne. Yep, Wayne. Wayne. Let's see him. Is he coming? Wang. Oh, oh, there he is. Oh, look at that. Told you. Beautiful yeah, golden. People at home can't see, but we're enjoying Mike Henry's yeah. dog, Wayne. Yeah. Got it all, except for testicles. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> oh, well, yeah. okay. <laughs> um, but when when we when you were talking about how you know you're just kind of workshopping yourself, it sounds to me like you could be the the you could reinvent or even create or reframe the the variety show. <laughs> I mean, I remember back the Laughins, the Sunny and Cher show, the Donnie Marie's, all that. Sunny and Cher. It's like I, I'll tell you, there's a, there's I I could see Mike Henry just read you know as you keep workshopping yourself, it's like it's the new variety show, and I think it's needed. It hasn't happened since. It hasn't, or if it has, it hasn't really worked. And right. how do you bring it back live like that? So, um, yeah, I'm, a, I'll, I'll try to figure that out. I hope so. Yeah. Come on, <laughs> get on that, Mike. I, yeah. Yeah. Mike, just figure it out. You know, you're, you're, you're Hollywood. You could do it. Yeah. Um, okay. anyway, Todd, anything else? This has been incredible. I mean, I could go forever. Yeah. I mean, he's been with us way too long. He's been so generous with his time, Mike. And I'm um, great guys. Yeah. Um, yeah, I'm, just, I'm peeing in this bucket. I'm fine. Are you? <laughs> oh, that's well, if you're going to be that way about it, Hey, let's talk about when you and Seth first met. I got, yeah, I got okay. a question about that. Were you guys, was it immediate that you had the same reference points? Like, you know, when you meet somebody and you're, you're, you're just getting to know them, you find that you have the same comedic uh, likes and dislikes. It, was that instant when you met Seth? Great one. Yeah, I, th I, um, you know, I met him when he was my brother's good friend at RISD. And my brother would call me up and he'd say, you wouldn't believe this guy. He imitates, you know, he does 500 different voices, Johnny Carson and... John Wayne and Robert Mitchum and, you know, like all these voices. And so I finally meet this guy. And of course he's hilarious. And, you know, specifically we, 
we liked a lot of the same things, but he was also very much into like show tunes yeah. and old Bob Hope movies oh, yeah. and things like, you know, that I just didn't really jive with or take to. And, um, but, but he would always, I, I would always get the essence of what was funny, you know, like it was, we had a, a shared understanding or, you know, common, common feeling of what was funny. So so yeah. So you did. So the whole thing, like you do, you talk about the Bob Hope, like Bing Crosby style movies that that similar to uh, Brian and Stewie to being together. Now, was it was it Seth who came up with that idea for doing those? Uh, uh, was it the Road too? With they're always the Road shows. Yeah, yeah. Or with, was with that, Stewie and Brian? Or was that somebody else that decided for that pairing? I'm not sure if it was. It, I know Gary Janetti, another oh, one of Gary. our writers, was yeah. was also instrumental in that, and and. Um, and, and helps dial in on that dynamic between Stewie and Brian mm-hmm. as, you know, sort of, you know, the, the buddies that foiled each other and, and were funny. So I would say Seth and, and maybe to an extent, Gary Gennetti, I don't know. Seth would know for sure. Yeah. We'll get him next week. Just kidding. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Seth or Gary. Yeah. Yeah. No, I'd love to get Gary. Gary's got a great book out too. I got yep. it. He just reminded me, I want to get that yep. off Amazon for sure. Yes. Uh, Yes, that is a very good book, and it's escaping me at the moment. I can't remember the name. No. I read it. It's funny. So, Mike, I, funny. I like to ask this question, just, and, and again, it's because I'm not a guy about regret. Regret to me is like you can't change anything. However, it's like when you, if someone, if someone was to write your your biography right now, mm-hmm. um, is there anything you'd want rewritten? Uh, even if it's something funny. Like we've had people say, don't get into, don't get into credit card debt. Being blown by a hobo. Being blown by a hobo. Yeah. That yeah. Right out of there. <laughs> yeah. That's the name uh, of the book. Yeah. He lost, all of, he lost his hair. Uh, <laughs> he lost his hair. Yeah. I've lost my hair. So I, um, no, man, you gotta, I agree. You gotta live and you, you gotta screw up and you gotta have shitty things happen. And yep. that's how you get strong and, and get satisfaction by overcoming stuff. Totally perfect. agree. Yeah. That's you, perfect. Because you learn so much when you, you know, fuck up or fail. Yep. I mean, it, even on stage, I'm sure you do in business. Yep. You know, you got to. You have to. Yeah. No, no. It's, um, yeah, you got, you got to go and realize that, that, you know, the, the run about Geppetto and Pinocchio blowing each other is not always going to be for everyone. That's right. Um, <laughs> you got to learn. You have to. Do you ever improvise in the booth when you're recording or are you just, I, yeah, you have sitting to, right? here with you, you're constantly improvising. When is... you're doing, or do you have to stay right on the script that they supply you? Actually, we're pretty tight by the time we're recording. So there's okay. very little improv. Yeah. Um, and actually the, the most fun time. And I think maybe the heyday of family guy was seasons four, five, six, when Seth was in the room and Alex Borstein was actually in the room writing and I was creating a bunch more characters and, and, you know, John Viner, there are other people who were writers that were also pitching. And so you pitch it all out and you get it to the funniest, you know, you you tighten it right up and there it is on the page. And then you just go recreate it in the booth. Yeah. I would have thought there was a lot of info, but guess not. not I I mean, you can a little bit, but it's, you know, yeah. Once it gets going and you got, yeah. So George, if I was a make a wish kid, one of my wishes would be to sit in on a table read. Oh yeah. It's, it's always Both, been yeah. my thing. And I'm sure people say that to you all the time, just to sit in there for the brainstorming and watch people, you know, riff off each other. That yep. to me would be, well, I'd like best. to, I'd like to be like bewitched, you know, like Endora just could just, like show up and be invisible. In. So yeah. I'd just be sitting up on the ceiling and watching yeah. it all happen. You'd make a wonderful Endora. I would. Yeah, I yeah. would. I've thought yeah. about it. 
Um, yeah. So let's let this man go. We've had enough. Mark, Mike, you, you're Mike, totally yeah, I mean, you're, you're bored with us. And no, I'm just <laughs> not. What? No. no. This. No. Let, so, I'm good. I'm man. so grateful for yeah absolutely. your time. Yeah. Um, we've been talking with Mike Henry, voice actor extraordinaire, one of the funniest guys on television. Um, creator of so many wonderful characters, Cleveland, it's Scott's favorite greased up death guy, Consuela <laughs> Herbert from family guy. Yeah. And just, um, you know, Mike, we appreciate the, yeah, the insights you've given. You I mean, so to me, there's so much more and the, the insights you've given. And I, and I hope you will come back when, whether it's your variety show, whether it's your book, whether it's another, we, we would love to have you back on and just get more insights. So much came out of this show today. And uh, again, we, we're so small, we can't thank you enough, but yeah, we, we appreciate you. the, we appreciate the respect and the encouragement. We really do. Yeah. No, I love, I love what you guys are doing. I love talking about life and the journey. Yeah. And, you know, I think you guys are, are doing something important and, um, I would, I'd be happy to come back on when, once I figure out what I'm doing. Awesome. Sweet. No, we would love that. So, so Mike, we're, we're going to wrap up, but, um, if you just hang on a second, just, we just got a couple more questions for you off air and then yeah, we'll be right back it. with you. Yeah. All right, guys. Peace out. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks so much. That was Mike Henry, voice actor extraordinaire. Um, wow. So how about that? Right. Uh, you've, you've, Wow. You just, you delivered. I, I delivered. When, no, when you, I mean, I, I know, I know when you asked Mike up. and the, he, Mike is the, he is, he is the perfect example. He's like, he's like a sentinel of, of mentorship, leadership. Like you, you just help people along the way. You work hard, you, you, you do what you have to do along the way. And then you, you turn around and you're still going to do your work. But if there's a chance to help and mentor others, you go and do that. And there were just some key things that he said too. I loved, um, following your inner voice to a place that doesn't exist until you get there. That yeah, was that, the that was one great. thing yep. uh, of the many that stood out, stood out being true to yourself, respectful for others, having the hustle, trust yourself, work your tail off. And while you're doing that, you have to persevere. And, and I'll summarize this in our, in our posts about the show and everything. Yeah. But, but if, if I, I think our listeners probably got the most out of this show, I'll do respect to our previous guests. Cause there were great things there too. Th this really, this really brought it home. Oh, I mean, absolutely. talk about a brand ambassador. I mean, I, I, I can't thank Mike enough for doing the show. Yeah, this it, is great. I mean, the perseverance he talked about pushing it, networking. And it's in and, and the one thing. And that it was really, funny. It was, it was yeah, great. It, it was funny. But it, and here's the other thing. Like, he talked about how important it is to help others in the business and that form of networking. I try to stress that with a lot of younger comics and stuff, how to, you know, help each other out. And people do locally here. Yeah. But I, I think it should be more. A lot of people are like, especially in stand-up comedy, trying to push people out of the way to get Absolutely. to it. Absolutely. I'm, I'm so happy when people in stand-up comedy have success because that only makes our business and our art form that much better. Only, you know, only, yeah. You only, can't compare yourself to them. You know, only by helping others do you truly help yourself. Yeah, that's sure. that's really yeah. what it comes down to. Yeah. And uh, he's the embodiment of that and many other things. So, yeah. fantastic. Honestly, uh, yeah, fanboy, emotional, great yeah. show. Well, that's your gayness um, coming through the well, emotion. It, yeah. 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 <laughs> See, All that's right. why we've been friends for forty years. <laughs> we could. It's a classic years. example. Classic yeah. example. We could just give it and take it. All right. <laughs> I'll let you I'll let you interpret that one. Anyway. You sicko. All right. <laughs> Say goodbye, George. Goodbye, George. It seems today that all you see is violence in movies and sex on TV. But where are those good old fashioned values on which we used to rely?
laughing cry. He's a friend.